What's Up Whittier? Welcome to What's Up Whittier, a homegrown podcast. A podcast to showcase Whittier's businesses, personalities, and hidden treasures. What's Up Whittier? Wow, that's my intro. What's Up Whittier? Dun, da, da, da. Come on, man. You're taking my intro already? I know. Do you know what? I haven't had the coffee kick in yet, Jesse. <laughs> that's right, man. That's right. Uh, we were talk- We're having coffee yeah. at a coffee table. And uh, if you hear the ambiance in the background, it's because we're indoors uh, mm-hmm. enjoying a cup of coffee. And that's there's kind of gloomy. swirling the coffee right here? Just that. Oh, definitely. I could hear you swirl, man. I could definitely hear you swirl. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a gloomy day, which uh, I was looking at the sked- at the weather today. It was supposed to kind of sprinkle, which, uh, I mean, yeah, it's weird weather we got going on. It's hot, cold, and yeah. I as think long so- as it doesn't rain. I'm not – I know – before we bring our guests on, I know we were talking about gloomy days. and good. I personally don't care for the rain because <laughs> the rain, uh, rain always brings me, like, problems, uh, you know, especially with real estate and property. Yeah, stuff, yeah. stuff breaks in the rain or you uh, get the calls, and so – the rain always just worries me, especially when it's heavy rain. All right, start chanting, uh, rain, rain, go away, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. Remo, so uh, where are we at today? We're at Crepes and Grapes. And yep. Jesse, I'm going to tell you something. You ready for this? What? It's worth the wait. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we'll speak more about We'll tell you that. more about that in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So what our, uh, our special guest today, if you don't know who Crepes and Grapes is behind the scenes, uh, we got Sandra Hahn. Welcome. Well, uh, thank you for having me. So, Sandra, for those that don't know um, what Crepes and Grapes is, uh, uh, give us a little glimpse of what it means. And then also, if you could tell us where where exactly is uh, Crepes and Grapes. All right. So, uh, Crepes and Grapes, we're here in Uptown Whittier on the corner of Bailey and Greenleaf. We've been here since 2004. And for those that have never heard the word crepe, um, we are a crepery, and we did something that was kind of local and uh, with the cuisine, but we had a lot of folks that didn't know what a crepe was, so nor how to say it, so it's like, can I have a crap? And I was like, oh, no, i got to fix that. So anyways, we've been, um, it's a family-owned business. We've been uh, very uh, fortunate to still be here uh, because bringing a new cuisine to an area is always very challenging because we're not the first French slash type of a restaurant in the community, um, but we're a family-operated type of business, so we're kind of middle market. Everybody's welcome. We're a community uh, restaurant, so that's where I think part of our success has been in that. We don't say we're the uh, we're going to give you the latest in French cuisine because we're not French. We're Californians. I grew up in East L.A. You know, my, I got a chorizo crepe, you know. I got <laughs> chilaquiles, you know. So I bring my background um, into uh, our cuisine. And it's our community background, you know, when you yeah. think about it. Eclect- it's an eclectic community, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So you don't have to know French to order here? <laughs> you do not. You might have to say bonjour once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> in the beginning, we kind of went with that. We went with like, oh, yeah, let's do the bonjour. Let's do, you know, just all this French stuff. And it's like, no. You know, after the years, we realized, no, we are kind of what we are. I grew up with crepes, so that's yeah. my story. And that's what I was going to say. Where does the crepes uh, come from? Because, I mean, you're, you're right. You're, it's unique to the area. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think there's another place uh, that serves them up. Um, where does that come from? 
So I grew up with crepes, uh, and, and I grew up in East L.A. So I uh, grew up with a, a big family, and, of course, Dad was the only one working with six, you know, five brothers and sisters. Uh, uh, it was a hardship for my mother to figure out how we're going to, you know, get the family eating. So how it happened was when we would have a birthday, my mother would make crepes because she grew up with crepes. My grandfather is French, and so that's how that whole thing happened. But we didn't know that. All we knew is like, oh, we're getting those good tortillas. Yeah. <laughs> we thought they were tortillas, tortillas. right? Yeah. yeah, we're getting the good tortillas, and mother would actually uh, would do the chorizo. So I grew up with the chorizo crepe. Mm. So I just thought like, this is this is it, you know. This is and, and and I just remember that whole process, her making each one, you know, individually, and then chopping up the potatoes with the chorizo. And so it was a definitely um, something special. So as I got older, I realized, how come we don't have more good tortilla restaurants around, right? Now, mind you, I'm probably like 14, thinking like, where can we eat these, right? We move ahead to my my uh, what, 18, and I, I I found out that there are restaurants or there was a restaurant um, that would do crepes, and uh, my my aunt took me to this restaurant. I'm trying to think of the name of it. Um, it's like the only one. But anyway, was it was it French also though? Or? No, okay. no, it was just a um, just random also. It was a crepe. <laughs> yeah, they just have the really good tortillas. No, it was like uh, um, oh come to me. Uh, it was a crepe uh, restaurant, and I realized where the origin came from at that time and that they did sweet. I grew up with savory. I didn't even know they had sweet ones. Um, and it, it just opened up a whole different world in, t- in, t- in terms of cuisine. Mm-hmm. So as we go through life, we ended up, I, I was an art director for a couple of companies, and, and somehow... I always kept coming back to food, and somehow food was always a connection. Um, the, my first connection with food was when I was living in East L.A. Uh, there was a little cha-cha-cha bakery down the street on Whittier Boulevard, and I was probably like eight years old, and I ditched school to go work at the bakery. So then uh, a couple days later, because uh, I went two days in a row, um, they called my parents like, where's Sandra? You know, what's going on? Is she okay? And no, 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 she's been going to school. Okay, so they <laughs> followed me on the third day. And then they found out that I was working at the bakery. Wow. And so that was a lesson learned that, yes. you know, um, I should be going to school. But what was amazing to me, and that's where my appetite for food came in, it was amazing to see eggs and flour put those together with a little sugar, you can make pan dulce. Yeah, yeah. And it was just amazing, and it never went away. So I did all this other stuff in my short career of life as an entrepreneur um, when food was really, in essence, what I should have done first. Wow. Yeah. So it went full circle, huh? Uh, pretty to, much. Trying to figure out what it was. It's interesting yeah. you say that the the crepe is, uh, and what is the right word? Is it crepe or crepe? or Crepe. Crepe, okay. 
crepe. I, you know, we just not crap. <laughs> not crap. <laughs> no C R A P. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, my introduction to it was more the sweet, like a dessert. Yeah. It was like uh, what you eat after the. Was so that same, you too? Same with me. That's, yeah. why, really? that's why I said sweet tortilla, just because my default it, it was. Okay. I'd never think of it as just a. As as a savory type thing, I'm thinking always sweet. When did you have your first crepe? Where was that? It, you know, it's always been banana, Nutella, oh, something. Okay. And yeah. um, where was it at? I mean, I've had crepes here right. um, multiple times. I mean, I, I guess for me, Nutella is very common in the Arabic community. And so, like that, yeah. we put Nutella on like pita bread and just warm up the pita bread right. and just eat another it. good tortilla, <laughs> yeah. right? It's a little thicker, but yeah. it's good. So, right. I, you know, I, I think when I went to places, I never thought about ordering a um, an actual non-sweet crepe. But but every time I come here, I do order the turkey pesto crepe. Oh yeah, oh, and. Yeah. Um, so I would say that might be the first time I tried a non-sweet crepe, which is <laughs> here. Yay, it's here. Yeah. And the same thing for me. This was a place where I tried the non-sweet. Yeah. Um, wow. And so it was more of like, again, you don't see it uh, often. Uh, mm-hmm. Even when you do see the crepe on the menu, again, it's uh, it's uh, on the dessert side yeah. right. or the sweeter side. Right. Oh, um, yeah. But, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's interesting. And, again, it's interesting that you go from uh, bread making to something that's, you know, it's kind of similar, right, in terms mm-hmm. of the way you make it, mm-hmm. um, to now adding toppings into it or, or ingredients to it that just change what it what it means, right, right. or what it it's is. It's endless. Yeah, yeah. It really is endless. And, you know, when you think of comfort food, that's what it is. It's comfort food. We put whatever we want, you know, say mom makes meatloaf and you have extra meatloaf. You want to kind of bring the bar up, make yeah. some crepes, now stuff it with that meatloaf, and you got a delicious birthday dinner, you yeah. know. And so that's how we were brought up with the crepes. It was either somebody's birthday or a baptism or something that, you know, that we shared, a specialty yeah. dish. Now, you said it's endless. Have you ever put something in a crepe and you're like, ah, maybe that wasn't the right thing for Oh, it. yeah, <laughs> but we've had another one where uh, we have uh, – one where uh, create your own crepe so customers can create their own. Uh-huh. The only reason we don't have it right now because of staffing and, yeah. and it gets too complicated in our kitchen. But typically we left it open. In fact, that's how we started with create your own because it's mm-hmm. endless. Mm-hmm. So we've had some combinations. Like I remember this one lady who did a, it was strawberry, jack cheese, um, mm-hmm. cinnamon. I forget what other ingredient. And I thought, okay. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. She's high. Right? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, she must be, yeah, yeah really craving that's something. That's yeah, that's where that's was she? Yeah. Um, but then when you think about it, what is cream cheese? Yeah. It's cheese. So adding the jack cheese to a sweet, uh, to strawberries and uh-huh. cinnamon, you're basically doing a cream cheese strawberry grape. Yeah. If you think about it, right? But we're not used to those combinations. So, no, we've had some really interesting ones um, that we did a conscious once just to see who was the winner. And we, I believe that one was called the Choco Crepe. And what it was is creating the crepe with uh, chocolate in the the blend. Uh, It was, we had to figure out how to... uh, Create it so it didn't burn onto the grill because mm-hmm. it's very delicate. And once we got the right measurement, that we were selling that like crazy. It was wow. like with ice cream, the chocolate crepe, with more chocolate, mm-hmm. and 
and we did that for one summer, and it was great. Nice. So yeah, we've always we're always having fun. Yeah, yeah. It's funny you see the the build your own because I remember that, uh, and this is way back when I first came here, and it was hard because it was me and the wife, and it was a. It's hard. I mean, it's hard for you to make a decision on what you want. Oh, yeah. But then that's one. Second is like, well, hold on. Is that really going to mix and, and taste right? At the end, we just default. So, you know what? Let's just pick something that's already made. <laughs> I didn't see it. That's the first forward. time I heard that one. Yeah. But that's that's true. You yeah. don't know. No. Uh, too many choices. And, too many. you know, in a restaurant, what's beautiful about a restaurant is that you don't have to make those decisions. That's yeah. why you order from the menu. That's mm-hmm. right. <laughs> you don't want to <laughs> take a chance, right? No, but no. Uh, the, the, the truth is, if there, if there are items that you like, chances are when you put that combination, it's going to be great. Yeah, and of course, remember we do the measurements. Uh, you don't want to put too much of this because that's, that's going right. to overpower that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's why I default to the banana, strawberry, <laughs> banana, oh, Nutella. the, the banberry. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that's just the easiest. Keep best. it simple. Yeah. yeah, keep it simple. <laughs> and then that's where again, um, so it's worth the wait. So when we first open. We had no idea what we were getting into in terms of uh, traffic. We were bombarded. We had lines. I remember um, when we first opened, my my mother-in-law had just passed away. So we were coming back from mourning. And so there was a lot of uh, family issues that we were dealing with that were very personal and they were very deeply difficult to to move forward but we did it um but at the same token we you know we're just gonna open a little crepery you know little you know we you know just mom and pop you know we just do whatever we're gonna do when we first opened our doors it was not no mom and pop we had lines that i nearly fainted because it was like how are we gonna do this well we were at two o'clock in the morning we're mixing you know crepe mix for the night before for the next day. For the next day because wow. we were so overwhelmed. Yeah. We just didn't know that our city was really just waiting for something new. Yeah. It wasn't that they were waiting for crates. Yeah. They were just waiting for something new, which that was always my instinct. God, we need something here that's cool. Because I live in Whittier. Yeah. This is my community. I knew, yeah. You know, it's like, God, I wish we had a restaurant that, you know, that can just kind of take you to a place and not be too expensive and just outprice you and and all that and so there really wasn't something different and so if you don't have it you get it there you go uh, and uh, we've been doing it close to what since 2004 19 years going at 19 years wow something like that 17 17 years 17 years yeah well it feels longer than that yeah because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have to count the years to prepare prior that's to right. That, right mental prepare, yeah. yeah mental preparedness yeah. so uh so we had that crazy you know those lines and stuff and it's like well maybe we just just and because we do everything to order so it wasn't like we would do these huge batches and freeze it and break. No, it's to order. So we would tell people, well, you know, we're not a, we're just not fast food. We prepare everything to order. It's worth the wait. Mm-hmm. You know, just give us a little bit of time. So that's how that happened. It's right. worth the wait. And we would just let everybody know. We're, and, and my staff, like, hey, no, you don't rush your customers. Mm-hmm. They stay here as long as they want. I know that's not a good thing for business, you know, you got to turn, turn, turn. Mm -hmm. But our philosophy has always been about the enjoyment of food. So if they take some time Mm -hmm. to enjoy a good dinner or or breakfast or lunch, Mm -hmm. 
it, let, it, let it be the time it's required. So turning tables wasn't our thing. Still isn't. Sometimes I'm like, uh, we are in a pandemic. We, we can't, we're not, we don't have all our tables out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we haven't changed that policy. And, um, and you have to wait for things to be prepared. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's, that's, 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 that's where that comes from. Mm-hmm. What is the, the, the one thing here that takes the longest to make? Like if you were to say this, and I say this because one of our coworkers just came back from Chicago and they have the deep dish pizza, right? That takes four days to make or however long. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. But as, as you say, worth the wait. Is there one dish that if you're going to come here and order that you should plan just jambalaya. a little bit? The jambalaya. The jambalaya because it has components. So a lot of jambalayas is just like this pot and they put everything in yeah. there and everything. No, we prepare part of our base. But we grill, like, some salmon. So this jambalaya gets salmon. We grill it. The, the shrimp as well. It's not all cooked in Together. the meal. Oh. It's separate. And so you get your flavors. So your flavors are very different. Uh, mm. And then your mussels, another component mm. that takes time. So sometimes just to prepare the jambalaya, we got, like, three pans going. Wow. Yeah. So, so it is a preparation. Uh, so that would be the most extensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, um, I would say uh, any crepe, it's all sautéed, any of your savory ones. Mm-hmm. Our banana flan base, those are going to take time, too, because they're, you know, they're sautéed, and then we like fire, yeah. throw that brandy in <laughs> you know. So we all wait for that crescendo. Uh, but um, uh, they all take time. You know, our fastest one, lemonade. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I thought you'd say water. Wine. There you go. wine is probably our fast one too, yeah. you know. But uh, that was another thing with wine because it's grapes and grapes. So everybody's yeah. like, "What's with the grapes?" Yeah, what's with the grapes? Well, I like fermented grapes. I don't know about you guys out there, but <laughs> that's. What, but I wanted it to be friendly, and the reason we chose grapes because this isn't a bar. Yeah, yeah. This was really about food. Yeah. But wine is important. Because wine is considered food and how you pair it. And so when we first opened up, oh, my God, I must have had, like, 25 selections of wine. And then, of course, I really went heavy on the dessert wines because most women like dessert wines. And at that time, Mm -hmm. I was one of them. (laughs) (laughs) And um, and, uh, I realized, like, this is a beer town. Mm -hmm. This is not a a wine um, kind of community. It is now. But yeah. it wasn't back when I opened. And so this is where you start to, um, you know, it's an opportunity like, all right, let's, let's, let's pull back. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's look at our wine program and, and let's make it friendly. So one of the things we do with our wines, our, wine, our house wines are excellent. They're not your bottom-of-the-barrel wines to bring in. No, they're great wines. In fact, what we have is... Uh, uh, what do we have? The um, uh, Tooth and Nail brand in, from Paso Robles. So I stay local. I stay in California if I can. L- let it all come in our community. Nice. Mm-hmm. And so we have to purchase enough to bring the price down. And when I am able to bring that price down, that becomes a house wine. Yeah. Because we turn in the we turn it around for our customers. Yeah. So this is where we are different. In uh, so you get a. a Oh, I just want a house a glass of wine. You can get a good glass of wine. Nice. Yeah. So you you start off by saying twenty five different selections. Did you reduce that oh, by heck going yeah. through that? <laughs> oh yeah, that's, I didn't even have room. That was like yeah. too many. I would even buy like half cases. Then I went into like buying uh, like really expensive wines, and there's yeah. a very small market for that. Yeah. 
And you have to have a cuisine for that. Yeah. And I didn't want to go into that cuisine. Even though we did, we had uh, cassoulet, uh, confit. We, we had all this fancy stuff. Wow. We had lamb. We had all this. But that was in our market. And that's where you have to kind of be honest with, like, eh, it's taking away from what I want to be. I want to be a comfort, you know, a, a corner cafe. And that's where we went to breakfast. Because breakfast is the best food to get started with. Mm-hmm. It's one where family can come together, yeah. get up early, and, you know, it's very inviting. Uh, so breakfast was, it, or is, to me, the most important meal. And this is why we offer it all day. Nice. Yeah. So what did you reduce the number of wines to? You really want that answer? Five, four, <laughs> Okay, so two? no. So we bring it, uh, so we probably have uh, probably like eight... 10, probably like 10 selections of wine. That's still pretty Yeah, big. it's still yeah. pretty big. Yeah, yeah 10 selections because you got your, you know, your your main ones, you know, your Pinots, your Mer, uh, uh, Merlots, your Cab, I love Zin. Um, your red, to me, the red wines, um, the wine blends, to me, are the best. Because if you ever go to a restaurant and you don't know what kind of wine you want to order, order the blends. You'll never go wrong because they're awesome. Interesting. Yeah, and those are things that, you know, you get to know as you move yeah. along. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm glad you said that because I was going to say, like, you earlier you said you had pairings, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, did you still offer that? Or, or, like, if somebody comes in and orders, a, like, like Remo orders his sweet dessert uh, type crap, do you come in and say, by the way, there's this kind of wine if you're looking to pair, or is it just more when people ask for it? was funny that you say that we just had a staff meeting probably about a month ago when we bring in our wines we really like to educate our staff we want them to really know what the wine is about and not give a bs like well you know you got no wine there is no perfect wine it's all about taste Mm -hmm. but there are some rules with wine you know uh what goes with chicken what goes with with uh steak and so and and Think of it as a sauce. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, wine is almost like it's food, but it's like a sauce to the to uh, what you're going to pair it with. Mm. So an example would be like uh, you have steak, you know, um, or something spicy. A red usually goes beautiful with it because of all the the jamminess, the 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 some of the tannins in in the wine, mm-hmm. and it balances out your your meal. Mm. And of course, the best thing you can do with wine is drink it with friends. Yeah, it's never to be drank alone because then you can get depressed. You know, <laughs> but it really is about the circle of friends that you're around. You're you're celebrating, and one bottle of wine, for instance, you know, like our staff, they know, like if somebody's going to get a glass and you got two people or three, what are the bottle? It, it, it's more cost effective, and most likely you're going to drink it anyways, yeah. right? So right off the bat, our staff is you know observe, you know, see what. Are they celebrating, or is it just one person that wants to drink alone, you know, with the friends? Uh, Make an observation so you can make the right recommendation. Uh, But food, uh, uh, learning about your wines is just as important as learning about the food that you serve. Yeah, yeah. Tissi, are you a big wine drinker? I'm not, but um, but I because I, <laughs> I don't like drinking by myself. Man. Oh, there yeah, you go. You come uh, and hang out with us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when I do, and the wife gets a, a wine, sometimes same thing. Mm-hmm. If she orders wine, we try to get the bottle just because it, it makes sense. Um, but mm-hmm. if not, uh, I won't drink it uh, by myself or, or just a quarter right. of that. Um, yeah. But it also has to be for the right occasion too, like mm-hmm. you said. 
Um, if we're celebrating something or enjoying something, like a big meal that's, you know, special, then it makes sense. But uh, just to order a beer uh, or a wine is not my thing. How about you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I probably, you know. I'm it's a have, lemonade. Yeah. A lemonade <laughs> or a beer. No, not a lemonade. But a beer. I'm more of a – the wine puts me to sleep. And that's okay. and maybe that's part of the ambiance where it's really relaxed and yeah. I, you know, and, and typically I have wine. It's maybe a little bit later, like dinner time, mm-hmm. where I wake up fairly early, and so by eight p.m., I'm nine p.m. I'm like, what time is it? Yeah. Is it bedtime? <laughs> yeah. You're right about that because I can't have even when I go do tastings, uh-huh. I can't have it during the day. I, I'm like. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm ready to turn. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, wine, it, it's just like beer, any alcohol, really. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. about, you know, that um, is it, you know, are you celebrating? Mm-hmm. Are you celebrating with friends? So, yeah. depending on the occasion, yeah. makes a difference. But, I, you know, if you know how to share wine with food, it's a different experience. So, we so are. So, explain opening. that. Well, what do you mean by sharing wine with food? Like, how would you so your consume your wine so with, with dinner? I'll, so, I'll give you a simple one. And for your audience, um, you know, start off with a bottle of white wine. Get a white wine and get a red wine. So, start off with your white wine. Get a, you know, create a, a cheese board, you know, some, a variety of cheeses. Mm-hmm. Don't spend a lot of money on cheese. Just get a variety. Because the cheese is also very creamy and it breaks the palate and the acidity in the wine. So, cheese, fruit, some nuts, you can do some salami, some meats. Mm-hmm. Keep it simple. Pour your wine. Get oh, don't forget the bread. You know, get mm-hmm. a nice loaf of baguette or just some good rustic bread. And that's a meal right there. Mm-hmm. So try that. And you'll see that the ambience of putting together the the cheese, the flavors, and start tasting. Take a swig mm-hmm. and then you'll watch if you put like a brie cheese and a walnut take a bite of that, you know, chew it, take your wine, drink it, and you'll start to see how food and wine moves. And then try it with something else, and your wine is different. And so you start to appreciate what wine does. So it's it's to enhance what your, your, your food. And if you don't like wine, I don't care what how much you drink and how you pair it, you're not going to like it, right? <laughs> so you have to, you know, again, if you want to learn uh, and understand your, your the taste buds and how they work that's an easy way to start and then your reds are a little stronger so you want to go into those uh, a little different with a more of a a main course whether it's spicy food sausages or Mm. meat you can have red wine with chicken you can have red wine with anything really so is there a protocol on like i guess i'm thinking when you said earlier the 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 make how do you mix the two together do you normally have like a glass of wine before appetizers two before dinner like what's your like i don't know if there's a structure to it (laughs) so the aperitif of uh, wines Uh uh, this is where your sparkling wine comes in so your sparkling wine kind of cleans your palate Mm -hmm. so you know usually like if you go to a five course restaurant or six course meal at a restaurant they'll start you off with maybe some champagne and you know some uh, you know fruit or uh, crudités or something just to start off very lightly, mm-hmm. but it's kind of to kind of clean the palate, get you ready for the next course. And usually when they pair your courses with wine, it, it they don't bring your whole bottle. It's going to be a glass, a, maybe a four ounces. Yeah. yeah, about four ounces or so to, uh, for your next meal. So the next one, let's say it's a soup. So the chef will know 
what would be appropriate. And they will, uh, appropriate meaning that it's not going to be the winning solution to it because there's many combinations, mm -hmm. but it'll give you a direction because they know that the acidic part of it or what their, um, whatever that meal is to complement. Uh, so it blends in. I'll give you an example. Sauvignon Blanc. If you, have, if you take Sauvignon Blanc, have mussels, mm -hmm. and then have like uh, chicken or some pasta or something like that. And I did this. I tried it, and it, it, was, it blew me away. It was mussels, shrimp, and pasta. When I had the mussels with the Sauvignon Blanc, it tasted like I was in the ocean tasting the sand. Oh, wow. That's how it tasted. Then when I went to the shrimp, the shrimp had a little bit of lemon, and, and mm -hmm. so the, and it was a little bit smoother, but it still had a more grassy grassiness to it. Then when I went to the noodles and the chicken, that was like, oh, my God, this is great. It was uh, mm -hmm. uh, like it blended. It's, it was smoother. So this is where one wine can take you in, in different directions. And not that one is better than the other. They're just different. See, yeah. I just like going with someone that knows how to order, and it will tell me drink this. Yeah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that I I look at a wine menu and I just I can't pronounce half the words on there, I am. and I'm just like mm, this one. <laughs> but see, that you you bring up a good point. Um, the menu in the beginning, I was getting all crazy fancy with all the French words and uh, how do you cook the bandine or whatever. Yeah. You, you know, I realized like, oh, man, we're in California, yeah. and you, we're of we're east of. East LA, we're east yeah. of yeah. east. Yeah. So let's get real. Yeah. This is what we are. Yeah. So our, if you go to our menu, you'll be able to pronounce everything. Um, you you still have your, like your Sauvignon Blanc. You know that can be in itself a challenge. Like how yeah. do you pronounce that Sauvignon, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, but you can have the title, which whatever the title is, a tooth and nail or yeah. nail it or something. It, at least you can start with that, and yeah. it won't be intimidating. Yeah. Wine is friendly in most because um, international, uh, pretty much uh, like Italy, like all your international European countries, kids grew up with wine. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And so we're one of the nations that really didn't. We did in the uh, uh, early, uh, what is it, the Victorian era because it was, we're, we're like this melting pot, so a mm -hmm. lot of the culture came in. But today, you're not going to have wine with the kids yeah. or yeah. any of that, right? Child social services will be yeah. out here, you know? So, so, it's the way I put them to sleep. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, uh, that's the best way to put them to sleep. So, so, Sandra, I was looking at your menu as we were speaking here, mm -hmm. and I just wanted to see what, what what is it that you got going on now uh, based on the last time I was here. Uh, so you still have the chorizo wrap, which, um, I mean, it's a crepe, right? It's a... Yeah. Uh, that's that was my go-to uh, when I came here, and the eggs Benedict, which uh, were oh, also that's a good. Winner. Yeah, that one. I don't remember you having the chilaquiles, which I'm looking at the menu. You you're there here, two so years. Yeah. It, oh, so it's recent. Okay. No, about two, yeah, about two years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's been years. a while since I've been here uh, to have a sit down, but uh, I'm, I'm glad you have chilaquiles because that's my go-to dish uh, on most restaurants when I walk in. Um, but aside from, from everything you got going on here on the menu, what is your number one, uh, I guess, uh, item? Or give us your top maybe two items that that, uh, that are constantly being ordered. So our uh, chorizo crepe is one of them. And others, okay, for breakfast, your chorizo and the crepe wrap. 
which is bacon, potatoes, and eggs. Okay. And then for dinner, our green chile guajilla chicken um, crepe. I is saw that. Our yeah. Number one, and wow. and and the other chicken one too. Um, the um, what is it? The chicken mushroom, the dusel, uh, is also popular. But what we find is um, this is why our menu got tailored down. Uh-huh. Our menu was so big before, oh, my God. <laughs> my kitchen was ready to lynch me in the back. Uh, we realized that, again, cost and uh, the pandemic obviously made a lot of changes for us. We had to keep it simple, keep it small. And we made some choices like bringing in the waffles for families, mm-hmm. I saw the that, kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our plates, if you notice, they're family-friendly. They're not out there, you know, um, you know when we when we go out we want to have choices but our the the main number one reason we go out with the families the kids and you want to make sure you have something for them yeah but we don't we like to feed them like i would feed my kids i don't want to feed them something you know uh, chicken nuggets nuggets or something you know <laughs> just know, to calm them down yeah. right no you want to feed them nourishing food food that you eat like you mm-hmm. would when you cook at home you would feed from that same pot, right? So we do the same thing here. We we don't make shortcuts. Yeah, yeah. What, what's your favorite go-to? I know you say you, you like the dessert one, but is no, there the, anything? The so I, I I probably have ordered that every single time I've come here. The turkey oh, it's the same, <laughs> oh, same dish. I, I'm that was cre- very popular too. Yeah, I'm yeah. such a creature of habit because it, it, it's good, and so it's like, well, I know I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get something you know good. It, yeah. So yeah. I I like going places with a bigger group, so because oh. I know what I'm gonna order. But I so you can see everybody I, else's I plates. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. same with the wine, and so I'm the type where I just if I'm going to restaurant A, I'm ordering this and. Every single time I go, I just order that. And everybody else you can see. Yeah. By the way, they have hummus on the menu. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. And we make it from scratch. You really? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yep. Yeah, because it's, again, comfort food. Yeah. And I and I grew up, you know, I'm a foodie, so I love international foods. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to explore different cuisines and different flavors. That's why you kind of see, we even have curry. Uh, that one's very popular. I saw that, yeah. yeah. And, and a mole. And a mole. I took the mole out only because okay. that one's a little bit harder to prepare and because of the um, pandemic. So there mm. were some things I did take out, but I didn't take out the curry and I didn't take out the hummus. Why? Because we moved quite a bit. And we ha- and hummus, you know, for vegetarians and for folks yeah. that, I saw you know, that don't eat meat, I mean, these are good uh, substitutes. substitutes. And the curry is – so our curry isn't really super spicy, nor are we trying to be Indian. You know, uh, like um, um, taking over that. No, it's about the flavors. It's about the spices. Our chilaquiles, we don't make it traditional like I did, you know, like the way my mother would make it. Mm-hmm. We don't make it like that. We make our own sauces from scratch, the tomatillo and roast the tomatillos. And when we do our red sauce, we, we do the red pepper chilies and cook them, you know, all from scratch. So our sauces are made from scratch. You can taste it. Yeah. You can tell, you know, this is done from scratch french cuisine sauces that's what it's about yeah. it's about the sauces it's about making things you know from scratch our mm-hmm. bechamel is no different yeah. we make that from scratch so mondays my kitchen this is what they're doing nice they're preparing all our bases what's bechamel uh it's like a white sauce oh, like a like okay. a gravy right oh, but we okay. don't make it very thick we don't use it with um a lot of fat it's you know mostly like your milk your seasoning we make a roux with it 
and uh, we keep it very simple. But that's that's the base. So we've had that base since the day I opened our doors. Right. Now, you brought up the, the pandemic a couple times and having to adjust. What other things have changed in kind of the business or the way you kind of approach it? Or I know obviously seating outside is now available, or maybe in the past it wasn't. We've well, always had seating. Mm-hmm. That's so, right. You've been one yeah. of the restaurants that have had small but outdoor seating. You want to hear that story? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. So when I first opened our doors, I thought it was normal to just have outdoor seating. Yeah. I didn't know that you had to create a CUP, a CUP, uh, get a conditional use permit to for outdoor seating. I didn't know that. Yeah. But when I put my application, I said it's outdoor seating. I want music. So I'm licensed to have live music. And so I... I already saw what we wanted to do, right? So lo and behold, I'm putting my seats out there. A couple months later, I find out I um, can't have my seats out there. And they were going to give me a fine. I go, are you kidding me? Why? Well, you don't have a permit for out there. But I did it in my application. Well, you still have to have a permit. Okay, so what do I do? Well, go to City Hall and find out. Okay, I call City Hall. They didn't even have the application. I did the application for them. (laughs) (laughs) So long story short, we figured it out. I had to pay a certain amount to be outside. And I'm like, fine, I'll do it. Why? We're in California. Son, we should all be outdoors, right? So after a while, other businesses wanted to do the same thing. It was that same process. And finally, the city just did away with it. And anybody who wants to have outdoor as long as you don't infringe on the walkway, uh, they can do that. But, of course, you have to state it in your application. Correct. But, yeah, that, we weren't set up for that. Yeah. So it was, there was a lot of hurdles. When we first opened, I opened a lot of worms, uh, cans of worms, <laughs> uh, because they, they was just Nobody was doing it, right. Yeah, yeah. Nobody was doing it, and I just thought everybody was really doing it. They just didn't want to do it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, or it didn't work out for them. But, yeah. yeah. For a restaurant business... It's essential that you're outdoors, yeah. especially now with the pandemic. Yeah, and the weather, like you said, it's, it's nice weather. No one wants to be inside. And then you add on the pandemic where people right. are now worried about being indoors for an extensive. For and for breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, it's uh, yeah. so before we started, I don't even know we've mentioned about the coffee. So that's uh, I'm, that's like the one thing that I like here is the coffee. Um, I usually try to drink decaf. But uh, here we're drinking regular, straight up coffee. Yeah, <laughs> the coffee. Jesse's uh, running a marathon after this. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, for what are we, I don't know. And I, is it a special blend or something that's made for you? Or? It's roasted. It's a different roasting house that we go with. Okay. So we've done that since day one. So we st- we tried our like our vendors sources and the Starbucks and all that. But it just I didn't want to be Starbucks. We're not yeah. Starbucks, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't have. I didn't want to have that taste. I kind of wanted that medium body, yeah. a type of coffee, kind of still with the chocolate hint there, but not so strong. And so we went through a couple of companies before we finally decided to go with one company that they've been roasting our coffee for years. Nice. But you would like the, the decaf. The decaf coffee that we have, I'll drink it because, you know, I, I get too I'm yeah, hyper, yeah. And, but you would like it. Good, so good. next time you're here, do you guys do brew it. both of them at the same time? No, we morning? brew by order. So Got what it. happens is we we don't keep brew. We used to it, our our brewer can do like three rounds of you know of coffee um, packets or not packets, but the the filters. Yeah. 
We used to do that. We don't do it no more. We do it one at a time. So the coffee's always hot, and we don't have waste. Because sometimes, you know, especially with the that we close early, and Mm -hmm. and you can if you're a coffee drinker, you know when there's old coffee. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't want to drink it. I don't want to drink. It smells it. like cigarettes. Or yeah, it <laughs> just has burnt. a funky taste yeah. to it. So, uh, so w- that's what we do. Well, I'm glad you said that because uh, the, the reason why I got it drinking the regular coffee and why I was hooked was uh, the first time we came. Again, there was a wait, and at that time you had a couple of chairs outside so you could sit down, but you were also offering uh, coffee while you wait. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I went through like three or four cups. Uh, just and I'm like, Dude, this is so good. Not knowing that obviously you had decaf. So every time I would come back. So Jesse ate standing. Though. Oh, man. But he was hyper, huh? Yeah, right. So he could do it. He could do it. You guys need help in the kitchen. Around. I'm ready. <laughs> right. And so every time I come back, it's just regular coffee, you know? I'll work for yeah. coffee. Yeah. yeah, I'll take out the trash. Yeah. I'm glad I know now. Yeah. Um, the coffee's good. And then also your, your potatoes, which for me, it's always a hit and miss uh, uh, when I go get potatoes uh, in the side of potatoes because mm-hmm. um, either they're too, like, soft or they're too crunchy or they're just, like, not seasoned right or, or whatever. Um, but for me, so I usually just say, you know what, I don't want, I'm not, I want potatoes. What else can I get? Uh, here is the opposite. Here is, like, uh, we'll get extra potatoes. Uh, I even make the wife get potatoes so we can. Extra you know, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'll, I'll just be truthful. Uh, sometimes we do have a hit and miss because, yeah. again, Potatoes, even though it's simple comfort food, you're yeah. right. If they're not cooked right or if they're being held too long, you're going to be in trouble. They get chewy. They get too hard. So this is why something that we don't do, we don't have a fryer. Mm. From day one, I didn't want to fry. I didn't want to fry food. Yeah. So everything that we have here, it's sautéed, uh, pan-fried, like if we do our salmon, mm-hmm. which our salmon is really good, uh, pan-fried, uh, but there's no frying. That's so it's all baked. Mm-hmm. Our potatoes are baked. They're not fried. Yeah. So, of course, we season them and all that. But <clears throat> So from day one, we wanted to not do the French fry. That We get a lot of people, where's your pommes frites? Where's yeah. your French fries? You, know? <laughs> uh, you get potatoes. This is yeah. your pommes frites. You yeah. know? So we've always had that. Um, and I'm always exploring something different. But, you know, potatoes is a, a comfort food. But you're right, sometimes... That's that's one of the things I come in. First thing I do in the morning, I taste those potatoes. Yeah, yeah. Where's the seasoning? Or I have them taste. That's interesting yeah. you say that, though, because that might be it. That might be that the, the difference between everybody else, you know, that uh, they are doing it uh, not through a fry or fryer, right? So. Well, consciousness of, of uh, eating healthy. Yeah. We're in a different time. And I think uh, what we put in our bodies is a reflection of our of our well being. Yeah. So that's why hummus was a big one for us. I did the tr- trio. I remember it was red pepper, uh, hummus, and then I would do one that I would change up all the time with jalapenos or whatever. You can tell my Latina part always mm-hmm. comes out. But um, the idea was again trying other foods that were healthy and delicious. And when we first started offering hummus, that was another one. A lot of people didn't know what that was. Yeah. <laughs> you like, know, you... so so it was interesting to see like, oh no, now it's mainstream. Yeah. Everybody knows what hummus is. Crepes are more popular now too. Yeah. Um, even though once in a while you still get the crap uh, of it, but yeah. uh, you know, it's still uh, considered now another uh, comfort food. Yeah. Is there one dish on the menu that's really French where you're like most people like for example, caviar 
for you know you hear that and it's oh, very yeah. unique is there something like that where you have to have the palate for it that no, you guys serve no uh, um, onion soup our onion soup we make uh-huh. from scratch so uh-huh. yeah, it has wine has some brandy because <laughs> this is how it's cooked and it's a slow process, and it is, you know, some people, you know, I, I, you know, you grow up with instant onion soup, you know, get, open yeah. the packet, and mm-hmm. that's your onion Put soup. In, oh, no, 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 this is very different. So this takes time to caramelize your onions, you know, and you let, and it takes about an hour or so to caramelize it and then throw in your, your herbs. And it's, it's just, I, I love cooking, so yeah. it's something that when it comes out and then when you taste the final product, you can taste some of the ingredients. You won't taste the wine, though. Or the brownie because it's cooked, mm-hmm. you know. It's it's cooked almost like a, a roux in the, the onions, taste is you cooked, know, right of the wine. But it gives it, yeah, and it gives it just a different flavor mm-hmm. enough to know that this is different. Yeah. Is definitely you can tell that it's not uh, packaged or anything like yeah. that. So uh, the onion soup is prepared that way. Uh, most of all, our um, well, we do. A, a, I'd say a good majority of all our sauces are all from scratch. So there's nothing weird. Like when we used to do cassoulet or confit, that would be like, you yeah, know. it's 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 a uh, it it uh, what's the right word? It's a unique flavor, right? And it takes an individual to really seek that. Because I don't think I'd come up and say, "Hey, by the way, I'm going to try this today." <laughs> well, like escargot would be one an example, yes. right? Yes. Escargot, uh, confit is duck. And let me tell you, there's not that much. It's just more gamey. Yeah. It's a lot richer. And some people like gamey food. Some people do not. It's just like lamb is another one. Yeah. They like it or they don't like it. Yeah. So that's where it would be different. Mm-hmm. But uh, cassoulet, guess what cassoulet is? I'm not even going to take a guess. Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> cassoulet casserole. casserole. It's a casserole. Except that you use confit, you use like richer food, uh-huh. and it's cooked, and it's another process. It takes a long time to prepare as well. You use uh, andouille sausages, and so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an awesome dish, yeah. you know. Um, but again, and that one goes with wine, red wine, big time. Uh, but those were dishes that we used to offer when we were open for dinner. Mm. We're not open for dinner right now because of the pandemic. Uh. Yeah. When do you normally uh, close? What's the we shop? close at three thirty. Three thirty. Yeah, three thirty. We close every day, which is giving me an opportunity to do other things, like hang out with you guys. There you right? go. <laughs> uh, and uh, involved with the community, but eventually um, we're planning, hopefully in January or maybe in February, to open up again. Because if you notice back there, I have a stage. Yeah. So we have, we had live jazz. On Fridays, nice. and it was building up beautifully. And it was again word of mouth. We would get some amazing jazz players. And if you notice, uh, jazz is and music is a big. It's deal. a theme, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a big deal. Um, I was gonna say, uh, regarding the, the stopping at three or closing at three, is it staffing? Is it like uh, demand or what? what, what a little got you bit to... of both. Okay. It's mostly dem- uh, staffing, because right now staffing we're not our, at our capacity. Yeah. Uh, it's almost a little bit of a hit and miss. So in order not to let go of people, to be able to give our staff hours and work within our means, we, we decided, you know what, we, we, if we close at this time, <clears throat> everybody, we were able to continue. Yeah. And we have. And that was actually a good move that we did. Very cool. Right. So, Sandra, um, obviously, you said this is your community. This is where you live. 
Um, what brought you to Whittier? When you guys first moved out here. So what brought us to Whittier, uh, when, let's see, I think I was five years old. We, my parents bought a house in Whittier. Hmm. This, uh, I won't give you my age, right? But I'll give you an example. <laughs> the 605 freeway wasn't built yet. Wow. And there's this five-year-old girl running across the street, which was the 605 freeway, to go visit a friend. Okay? So I was running around, right? Wow. Um, so, you know, it was a, a beautiful community at the time, but my father worked in East L.A., and it was too far for, for work. But also what I found out later was just too expensive to keep a home. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time. So my parents uh, bought a house in East L.A., and we moved to East L.A., and I went to elementary school and middle school, and then in high school I was getting in a lot of trouble. And I remember asking Dad, hey, Dad, how come we don't go back to that house in Whittier? You know, well, why can't we go to Whittier? Because I knew that if something didn't change, something was going to give. Yeah. So Dad... Come on, let's go. Let's go. We got on the car, and we drove to the house we used to live in. And there was a sign for sale. It no was way. the same guy that sold the house to my dad. That he bought the house back from him. Wow. And then we all moved back to Whittier. No way. So that's how that happened. So we moved back to Whittier, and you know, I'm a teenager. You know, I'm, I have to make new friends, and this was like a whole different ball game. Uh, and I wasn't a good student, obviously. I was always, like, adventurous. Like, what happens if I make a ditching party here? It's me, dude. Everyone, follow awesome. me. Yeah, I love parties. Um, they ended up putting me in a program uh, at Marinello's. Long story short, I did very well. So at 17, I opened my own business. So I was a young entrepreneur. But because we moved to Whittier... And there was a different sense of serenity and stability that it opened some doors, you know, going to Marinello's. Uh, I, got, I went through that ROP program, and then I was able to open my business. When I opened my business in Montebello, I was doing hair shows, and Ellis Cooper was one of my clients. Um, Davey Johnston from Elton John's band. He was also one of my clients. Wow. And so I was in that whole rock and roll business yeah. for a while. And so, again, opportunity, you know, sometimes you, may, you have to make a change. And if you're open enough to see op- that opportunity, you go with it. So so moving back to Whittier, it it opened the doors in a, in a, in a most unusual way. So you came here and never left. Mm-mm. That's awesome. Why well, I left a little bit, you know. Yeah, but then came yeah, back. I came back. Well, because <laughs> always uh, came back. Yeah. Say, uh, so we moved. Uh, so when I got married, my husband and I we're still married, by the way. You mm-hmm. know, that's that's unusual. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thirty-five something years, right? Or maybe thirty-six. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but we, um, I met him in beauty college. So that's how that happened. Uh, but when we moved to San Gabriel, <clears throat> the idea was we're going to do our own thing. You know, take our own flight and. And for some reason, Whittier was always like, but it's a great city to, you know, raise a family. Yeah, and yeah. someday I want to have a business. And that's how that got seated. So we moved back to Whittier. And then, you know, I was an art director for Office Depot. So I was always in the arts and graphic design. And the food kept calling. Mm-hmm. And um, I started to, my husband and I, you know, it's like, I got, we got to, I want to open a restaurant. And he's like, 
okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Do yeah. I eat for free? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's oh, my he, answer. <laughs> let me tell you what we've experienced. It's like anybody out there who's thinking of opening a restaurant, Moonlight, which is what I did. Mm-hmm. I have a friend, Rick's uh, friend, Rick's driving in and out. Yeah. A lot of folks don't know that this man at one time had 12 restaurants, and he was my mentor. Because I was helping him with graphic designs and things like that. And then he's like, you know, why don't you open up a restaurant? I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't know. I I do it. Yes, no, I don't know. So he took me to La Cañada one time, and there's a restaurant called Bartley's, and it was for sale. And he's like, you know, why don't you open this one? And you can make it, a, you know, uh, like like a Norm's restaurant. I'm thinking, it's Bartley's. I would stay with Bartley's, you know, yeah. and and I'm like, I don't think that's going to be my thing. No, no, no. What if I work for you just so I can see if this is going to be my thing? So I was moonlighting while I was the art director for Office Depot. I was moonlighting at um, Norm's up in Inglewood, and I did that for about a year and turn around their kitchen identified things that were very natural for me. So it was very natural for me to be in that kind of environment because you're always fixing, thinking outside of the box, something. It's every day is a different day. And I'm like, you know what? This works for me. My husband, on the other hand, (laughs) he just said, okay, we'll do this. (laughs) Yeah, are you really sure? So... um, I'm a people person, so you have to love people. Yeah. You have to really love the engagement and the ambiance because it's a lot of work. Yeah. So this is where I'm like, I must have went crazy for a minute mm-hmm. because my job that I had was super great. It paid super well, had all the benefits, everything you can think of. Mm-hmm. I had it, uh, but I didn't have the roller coaster ride. Yeah. I needed that roller coaster. So that, to me, as an entrepreneur, and I am a natural entrepreneur, it's a spirit of how you work. Yeah. Keep You're an entrepreneur, yeah. right? You're an entrepreneur. Yeah. So we work based on our instinct and what we do. Mm-hmm. And so that's what identifies us a little different. So it's not for everybody. Oh. Yeah, especially the restaurant business. There's always probably someone happy, someone complaining, someone, my food's hot, my food's cold, and... And you gotta definitely be a people person to, yeah. to hedge a lot of those. Uh, I need change, you know. Yeah. Like our staff, they're like my children. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not trying to be, uh, be a substitute to their parents. Yeah, of course not. Yeah. But you, because they're younger, they're gonna learn some skills here that they're not gonna learn in another place. Yeah. You learn life skills, and those life skills you take them with you. So here's about responsibility. How can you work more mindful to the things that you do? If you're going to serve someone, look at them. You know, pay attention. Listen. Be observant. And I guarantee that they're going to have a great experience. But if you're not paying attention or you're too worried about, like, trying to make your your numbers, you're going to fail. And I've had that. You know, in the kitchen, it's not how fast you get that plate. You're going to get it out, and it's going to be sloppy. And then the server isn't going to look at the plate. They're just going to try to get it out, and it failed. Yeah. So everybody's important in the chain of command. Definitely. Oh, man, a lot of good stuff here. Um, and you unfortunately, want a job? And I know. <laughs> <laughs> I need people. <laughs> the unfortunate part is we've got to wrap this up. Um, we're going to wrap it up with a couple questions that we got. We usually ask uh, the first one is, 
if you're not dining at your place, um, what other restaurant is your go-to that we could find you at? Whether it's a, a meal or a drink or a beverage or my kitchen, <laughs> <laughs> my like, kitchen, your personal kitchen at <laughs> my home. My personal yeah. kitchen. You know, I usually tend to try to visit a lot of our restaurants here. I was talking to Glendy from um, Rusty Monk today, and ironically, we're talking, and this is the kind of relationship we have with the other restaurants. Um, we connect because of the hardship of this business, yeah. but also our cuisines. Or I send my staff sometimes, you know, here. I'll get some certificates, send them over there so they can experience something different locally. So we're always moving. Ricardo Diaz also. I go to Bizarra Capital because I like the way they do their tacos. And yeah. them, you know, he's got delicious food. But And uh, Tony at, at the... Um, Crooked Gaff. The Crooked Gaff. Excellent, excellent chef. So we have some great restaurants. I go to the... The, the Mediterranean restaurant up the street. That, that's Jacobs. like, yeah, we're always, because that's one of my favorite foods is Mediterranean food. It's one of the healthiest. And so uh, we tend to visit everyone if we can. Yeah. You know, a lot of the new restaurants that, uh, that open, I go visit to give support and also to introduce myself that, you know, you need a cup of sugar. We're here. We're here. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Now, if there was one thing missing in uh, in Woody or the community that you would like to see here, what would that be? That I, like as far as a restaurant or food? No, restaurant, food, sports, anything. Just you know what? I think there needs to be something for a young community. You know, like a bowling alley or somewhere where young people can go to. I think it's essential that we create something because. Maybe, like, my children are all adults, mm-hmm. but i got grandkids now, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, but our young, our young parents that have children, where do they go? And as, you know, cities go, they're expanding. What's interesting now that in every city, everything, you can find everything in the city, where before you had to go to downtown L.A. Mm-hmm. or to a mall. The thing that's kind of lacking here is something kind of globally for young people. So I think we need uh, activities that are fun and that are, you know, within their time. Not yeah. like bowling might not be it, yeah. but it might be. <laughs> it might be like uh, the games or mm-hmm. like what do they call it? Tag uh, when you laser tag, or laser tag, yeah. things like that. Yeah. Uh, I think those are uh, opportunities that definitely uh, we need. So if anybody out there, you guys want to open something up here, I'm, I'm game. Yeah. There you go. And then the, the last question is regarding uh, any fond memories of Whittier or that you maybe being here that you have that you say, anytime I think of Whittier, this is what I think of. I'll tell you my first impression of Whittier when I was five. On, on um, Norwalk and Whittier Boulevard, where Taco Bell is, Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. it used to be a, a drugstore, uh, like, mm-hmm. a, like a like a, a Rite Aid, something like mm-hmm. that. But it had... Um, like a hamburger, a, like a burger stand in back. Mm-hmm. And so we would go there and get a cheeseburger. So I remember, like, finishing, going out, and, I'm, and it was during Christmas because I remember standing in the corner, and I looked up, so I'm looking at the hills. And the water tower, which is up there, which mm-hmm. I actually have it up there because it's symbolic to me. Yeah, yeah. I um, saw Christmas lights on there, and I thought that's where Santa Claus lived. So I always thought of Whittier where 
Santa Claus. This is where Santa Claus lives. And this is the place, you know. Yeah. The North Pole is just yeah. up there, you know. <laughs> I so, can see it. <laughs> I can see it. It's right there. So that is probably like my first impression of Whittier, that Santa Claus lives here. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And for all those kids listening, uh, uh, Santa Claus is a Whittierite. He, yeah. Yep. He's a local resident, and uh, we got to bring him on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I think I know him, too. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Sandra, is there anything you got coming up uh, restaurant-wise that you want to kind of talk about? Uh, anything special on the menu or anything, I don't know, event-wise? or? Oh, uh, so, of course, we have our hot chocolate Bellagio, which is probably one of the best if you've never had our hot chocolate let me tell you it's delicious we've had it since day one water or milk 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 is a secret (laughs) right yeah no water none of that and it's very rich so when i think of santa claus the kind of chocolate he would have Mm. that is what he would have he would have a bellagio but as far as events you know whittier is going to have their christmas parade down on greenleaf yeah so that's going to be on december 11th and then we're working on the Holiday Sonata here in Uptown uh, um, with the Uptown Association, and that's on December 4th, I believe. And the Grand Illumination, where Santa Claus first lands, is at Rick's, and that's on December 3rd on a Friday. And Rick has been doing this for 27 years. Yeah. I think he's the Santa Claus that I go. actually yeah. thought I saw. You yeah. know? <laughs> but he is someone that I've actually helped with his, I've helped him with this event because he's got this passion about lighting up the town and he's done it I've seen him do it in so many ways giving away uh, lights for people to decorate I, an extraordinary man yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome nice. Sandra um, yeah, again can you give us location of where you're at and then also um, if somebody's looking to do are you doing a lot of uh, takeout uh, orders mm-hmm. is it we do we do takeout that's one of the positive things that mm-hmm. uh, came out of COVID we do uh, takeout uh, uh, gr- uh, Grubhub what's the other one um, Chow Now da- oh, gosh what's the other ones anyways they we just do, keep coming yeah they, they just keep coming and, and that opened an opportunity there so that was something we never did and we do now uh, so we're here at 6560 Greenleaf Avenue on the corner of Bailey and Greenleaf in Uptown and then social media-wise, if they want to follow you, what's the best way to... Crepes, Grapes, uh, Facebook, our website, crepesgrapesatme.com. Uh, and uh, we're always in the corner. We're visible. Yeah. Sweet, sweet. Well, thank you for thank coming you. on. Thank and you. Uh, we'll finish up our, our delicious coffee here. I drank mine 20 minutes ago. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, we got a whole pot full there. <laughs> uh, I eventually want to sleep tonight. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, thank I, you. Thank you again. And... Uh, yeah, we'll have to come back again in the future. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye, Woodier. See you later, Woodier. <laughs>